story of Selenia. I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, last week we had a Feed One Day, first ever, and uh, we were able, so far, the numbers have come in. We'll still figure out um, how many more, but around 70 kids in Haiti will be fed because of generous people in our church and in our city. So can we give, our, give a grove ourselves a hand for that? And I'm excited to, because today quite a, there's quite a few people who weren't able to do it last week. They're going to bring their packets. I've already received, received a few packets already. I'll talk about that more at the end. Um, but if you haven't signed up, you still want to. I'm going to send some more in tomorrow. And right now we're about 70, and it's a, that's a great that's a great uh, uh, great I think win and victory for us as a church to be able to say that we're going to have impact. Uh, I got an email back saying uh, they, that they're going to start feeding the kids that we sponsored, and I'm um, excited to hear and see in the future what that looks like as we move forward. But I just want to say thank you for being part of Feed One, and uh, we're, we're, uh, we're so grateful for your uh, contribution and your help with that. Um, let me say good morning to all those watching Facebook Live or listening online. Thanks for tuning in. And everybody's in the theater, thanks for coming. If you don't know me, my name is Eric Matoya, pastor of the Grove, and uh, it's, uh, it's an honor, a, a, a privilege to be a part of this community, and I love it. I love the church, and I love what's happening, and we want to say uh, just... Uh, thanks for thanks for coming. Uh, we're in a series that's really about the heart. It's the heart series, and uh, we're we're talking about um, really about why about this because as we go into this holiday season, it's very easy to miss uh, what's really important. It's it's really easy to to forget about what's around us uh, because of all of the the hustle, the bustle, all things that go go on. And we thought leading up to this. This season, it would be great if we did a series that would help us kind of evaluate and look inter- internally and say, all right, got to be aware of what's going on here. And so uh, we're talking about that. So today is going to be, we're going to talk about the third part, which is, which is Thanksgiving, um, and not the Thanksgiving we just had, which I love Thanksgiving and hope you enjoyed a lot of good food. And one of my favorite days of the year because we reflect and we think about what we're thankful for. Uh, but this is the Thanksgiving, the part of where we give thanks on a regular basis. And we're going to talk what that looks like. But I want to do some reviews so you know uh, where we're at. Uh, the first week... And in this whole series, we talked about um, a teaching that Jesus taught um, in, in Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount. He said this. He says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's talking about how we handle resources and finances and uh, the things that we have. He says, the way you handle those things will indicate what's important to you. Essentially, he said, wherever you put your finances, wherever you put your, your time, your resources, that's an indication of what's important to you because your heart always follows your treasure. It follows your money. It follows your time. So whatever is important to you, you just have to look how you spend money, how you handle your time, how you handle resources, and it shows you what's important to your life. That's what Jesus, Jesus was saying. So it's about the heart. And he says, uh, just be aware of that. And so the first week, we, we talked about uh, love giving, and that if, if you're going to be the kind of person God that he's looking for in this world, if you're going to follow him, he's looking for people that love to give of themselves, love to give of their lives. And so the first week we said we give because it declares that God is first. We talked about the tithe, why it's so important that we put God first. And really the principle behind the tithe was we say, God, it's a faith statement by saying you're the very first thing I do when it comes to my resources and my finances. We said we give because God gave. Now, we look more like God at the moment we give than any other time in our lives. Because he's a generous God. He wants us to reflect him. We said that we give because it helps others and it helps us to, to break things in our lives that, that want to keep us held to, to resources and to, to greed and things like that. Second week, we talked about, we talked about life giving. We, talked, we said as a church, we want to be this kind of church to our community. But God is looking for these kind of people all the time. And we said we, you can only reproduce who you are. Um, you can only give what you have. And then we said when, when our hearts are right, we can expect amazing results. And these are all principles we find throughout Scripture we talked about last week. But really, life-giving is really saying I want to produce something with my life. 
In fact, I would say if you're ever going to invest anything, whether it's your time, your resources, uh, your finances, you want to invest in things that are going to live beyond yourself. You want to invest in things that are producing life. Um, and what we promoted Feed One, we said, what better way can we invest than saying, what if we fed some kids in Haiti that don't have any food, taking education, we can come alongside them and help them. We want to be that kind of church. And I asked a question I think is worth repeating. I said this, I said, what would the world look like if everyone followed your example in the way you live? Um, that was the challenge to say, are you a life-giving person on the road? Are you a life-giving person in your conversation, in your words? Are you a life-giving person? And, and my hope is that we'd be the kind of people that if everybody followed our example, our world would look a whole lot better. And that's our challenge as a church. How can we equip you, help you to become that person that when others follow your example, our world is a better place? And that was last week. So today we're talking about Thanksgiving and giving thanks and, and having a, a, a heart that's full of gratitude, a heart that's, that's aware um, and here's, here's the thing with, with, with being people that are aware of our, of our world, um, aware of what we do have, which is why I love Thanksgiving. It, it helps us to focus on what's in front of us, not just what's around us. But here's the challenge we have. The challenge we have in our culture is that we now live in, in, in a, an age of social media. Right? Anybody, anybody love social media? Anybody not love social media? Right? I'm, I'm kind of both of those at times. I'm like, man, this is really good. And sometimes I'm like, oh, this is really bad. Um, we live in an age of social media, which means... We get to see everybody's profile. We get to see that what's going on in their lives. And some people share a little too much. Some people don't share enough. So we really don't know what's going on. But, but they're, they're, they're sharing. And, and here's, here's the challenge with it, with it is w- when we look at social media, when we look at what other people are doing, we have this tendency to begin to measure, up, measure ourselves against them, to compare. Um, and here's the problem is when we compare our life with somebody else's, Typically, it's an average day. I'm like, we're sitting at our desk or wherever we're at, and it's an average day. We're looking at somebody at the Bahamas. You're like, oh, my goodness. I hate those people, right? They're at the Bahamas. I'm here at my desk. And you're comparing your average day to somebody's highlight reel. You're comparing maybe one of your worst days to somebody's best day of their life. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, their life just looks a whole lot better than mine because we have this skewed perspective. It's, it's an out-of-balance perspective of somebody's life. That's not the reality. That is just a highlight reel. That, that is an extreme moment. Uh, a very good thing, and then nobody shares bad news, right? Usually, sometimes, but usually it's it's all of the all of the things that 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 um, that make people look good. They never show things that are um, not not flattering. It's always something that's flattering, you know. They they don't post those things, so always sees the best of the best of somebody's life, and we don't realize they're people too. They have they have days that that are, are not the best. They have moments where they don't feel maybe they're feeling like we are at this moment also. They're people, um, and in fact, um, what happens when we compare is. Is, is, is life is actually sucked from us. Like we, we lose a part of our life. They've been doing research, they've been doing studies to figure out how is social media going to impact the next generation? How is it impacting us now? And what they found is they said the more you're on Facebook, the, the, the lower your happiness index goes down. So the more you log in on a day, like your happiness was here, like every time you're logging in, it's actually going lower and lower and lower. This is their finding with social media. Um, and, and, because life is actually being sucked. I think part of it is because we stop living our life and we start looking at somebody else's life and we, we forget what's going on. Um, I read it in, in a magazine in, in Psychology Day. It was talking about comparisons and social media. And one of, one of the psychologists said this. He says, we compare ourselves to others. We get lost in their idealized lives and we forget to enjoy our own. There's a negative part of it. When we compare, there's a part where we, we get stuck and we get focused on something that's maybe not even the truth, the whole story. But, she said, there's a, there's a positive side to it also that they're finding is, but when there's contributing and sharing and interacting, that can have a positive effect. Like, there's some, there's some positive things. It's not all bad. 
But a lot of times what happens is we get stuck on the wrong part of that. And when, and in fact, one of, one of the guys that, that I learned from, he said, whenever comparison shows up, just put horns on it. Right? If there's ever a comparison that just pops up in your life, just put horns on it. That is not God because uh, God doesn't want us to compare to others. He wants us to, to figure out what we're supposed to do with our life and live it out. Um, and whenever a comparison does pop up, we'll, we'll see, and we'll talk about that in a little while what it means. But here's what happens. If you focus on what you don't have, you will never have enough. Uh, we're in a small group season right now, and in our marriage group, one of the lessons we, we were walking through, talking through is, you know, when we're dating and, and you start a relationship with somebody new, you, you almost don't see anything negative about that person. All you focus on is the positive. But then when your relationship develops and you've been friends longer, or you've been married for a while, all of a sudden, all the good things are they're there, but all of a sudden you begin to notice all the negative things. And what happens to couples that are unhealthy is they only focus on the negative parts and they forget about the good parts or the positive parts. And they forget about the things that they actually love about their 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 spouse or in, the, in, in a relationship, the, the other person that you that you care for. That we forget about those things. And in our group, we're challenging them: make sure you constantly focus on on the positive. Don't just highlight the negative. Don't just think about the negative. Focus on the negative, but look at the positive. What are the things there that are good so you don't miss it out? Because when we only focus on what we don't have, we actually never have enough, and whatever is in front of us won't be enough. And in this case, in a relationship, your husband or wife will never be enough when all you focus about what you don't have and what, what you don't like about it, and you miss out on that. And when you have the right perspective, that changes everything, and it opens up other possibilities in our lives. But when you're stuck comparing and you're only focused on what you don't have, it actually closes down other possibilities that might be there in your life because you're only focused on what you don't have. Um, in Second Timothy, Paul is, is teaching his, his protege, Timothy. Um, he's mentoring him, coaching him how to, be a, how to be a good pastor and how to lead others uh, to know about God. And in, in, this, in, this one, in this letter that he's writing to him, he comes to this point and he says, you should know these things, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. He said there's going to be a point where society and, and human nature becomes very dark and very self-centered and, and all about this. And he begins to list all of these character traits and all these things that people will be doing when it's hard in the last days. And he says this, for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud. They'll scoff at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Another translation says unthankful. Um, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. He'll go on and on. He'll, he goes on talking about more things. They'll think more highly of themselves than they should. Um, they'll be lover, lovers of pleasure rather than of God. They'll, they'll look the part, they'll have this, this um, form of godliness, but they'll reject the power that follows that. So they'll put on this, this we'll look the part, but they'll be missing something that's deeper there. And the whole point is he's saying, he goes on and says, Timothy, have nothing to do with, the, with those kind of things. Like, like, stay away from those things. And the one I want to cap on, camp on today is this, the, the ungrateful part, the unthankful. Saying when we and, and he lists this this attributes of, of people that are are far from God and essentially God would be saying these are the things I don't want you to become these are the things I don't want you to be in life um, the opposite of being being ungrateful would be grateful right having a heart of gratitude being aware of the things that are in front of you because um, when I believe what, what what the scripture is telling us is when when we're not grateful when we're only looking at comparisons look what we don't have it makes us miss what's right in front of us and that's a problem. Whenever we miss what's in, right in front of us because we're focused on something we don't have, that's a problem. Um, in fact, the very first story where, where humans mess up, this is exactly what happened. The, the enemy, the devil, comes to deceive Eve and he tricks her into eating some fruit that, that's forbidden. Um, in fact, Jesus, uh, God, God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any, any, any tree in the garden. Like, have your fill, enjoy all this, but not that one in the middle. 
Like that, hands off. That's my, that's, that's reserved for me. I don't want you to mess with that one. And so what did the enemy do? He got Eve to focus on the one that she couldn't have at the expense of all of the other ones that she could have. So you're in a forest, right? There's all these trees. There's all these fruit. You can have your fill. You can, whatever you want. Why is it the one you can't have is the one that you want? And that's the thing. That's what the enemy was trying to get her, get her to focus on was, hey, focus on the one that you can't have. Focus on the thing you don't have. And when, by doing that, you almost become, uh, your peripheral is like dulled and you don't see what's happening all around here. Like, hey, no, just lift up your head and look around. Like, I can have that and that and that. And I can have that and I can have that. And that's really good. But he got her to focus on the one and he tricked her. He made her question God's goodness. He, he made, her, made her begin the question saying, what is God holding back from me? What is here? And instead of trusting God, she gave in and she sinned. And the results of that was, was, was broken relationships and death that followed that. Separation from God and separation from others. The very next story, after Adam and Eve, they have kids, Cain and Abel. We talked about this the first week. When we talked about the tithe and the principle. Abel offered a sacrifice to God that was pleasing to God as an offering of, 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 of what he had, the, the first of his, of his flock, and God blessed it and said, I, I accept this. This is good. But Cain, he kind of just gathered throughout the season and just brought something to God, another offering, and God rejected it. He didn't accept it. And Cain was so mad that God accepted Abel's and not himself. Um, and they had this conversation where, where God talks to Cain. He says, Cain, you don't understand. You're, you're, you're focused on the wrong thing. If you would just do the right thing, I would accept it. Like, I would, I'm, I'm here to help you on this journey. But Cain didn't pick up his eyes to look to see what maybe God was trying to help him. He could only see envy and, 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 and anger towards his brother. And eventually he, he, he kills his brother. But God told him this. He says, Cain, sin is crouched at your door like, like, like an animal that's about to pounce. And if you'll do the right thing, you'll, you'll win. But if you don't, it'll overtake you. And Cain ignores God, and he gets stuck, focused on what he doesn't have, and eventually it overtakes him. Um, comparison, it takes from us. Comparison keeps us focused on what we don't have, where God is saying, but what is in your hand? Don't miss out what's in front of you, because if you do, you will live a life that you're, you'll, you'll never be pleased, you'll never be happy. Um, in fact, people that are grateful, they actually live longer than people that are not grateful, that are unthankful. Um, because there's something in us where we recognize what we do have makes it, it keeps us healthier. Um, social media. One of the things that they're saying is it, it is actually even creating um, mental health issues because people are actually f- focused on the wrong things, and it creates these this things in our minds that just go crazy. And we miss out on it. It, it, it keeps us from being healthy. Uh, Paul, uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul, he's in prison for being a Christian. All right, they, they, they've chained him. Uh, he's writing letters to different churches, and in one of his letters in Colossians, watch what he says. All right, in Colossians four two. Uh, and three, he says, pray diligently, stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. I love how the message paraphrases that. Your eyes wide open in gratitude. It's like this idea that you're, you're looking around for what you could be thankful for. Because there's a lot of things to be thankful for. And, and, and where is he writing this? In prison. So Paul is saying, I'm in chains. I'm in prison. The one place you probably should be mad and, and, and hate everybody and angry at everybody. But he's saying, no, no. Even in the situation where you maybe don't even like, keep your eyes wide open because there's something you could be thankful for. And when you live this kind of life, God is pleased with it. Uh, something, God, God shows up and does some great things. Zig Ziglar, I love this quote. He says this. He says, be grateful for what you have and stop complaining. It bores everybody else, does you no good, and does not solve any problems. When you, when you, when you, don't focus, on, when you focus on what you don't have and you complain, it doesn't fix anything. It keeps you stuck. Um, you, 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 you forget and you neglect what's around you all the time. 
Uh, Thanksgiving, one of the reasons I like Thanksgiving, because we lift our heads for a moment, and we look around and say, wow, I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for the things that we have. Um, and and you, you, begin, you begin to pause. You know, I heard one, one writer, he says, uh, a lot of people have destination disease. When you're, not, when you're not content and you're not grateful for what you do have where you're at, you're always waiting for that destination to happen. One day when I get married, then I'll be happy. One day when I retire, then I'll get happy. One day when I, whatever, you fill in the blank, meet my soulmate or um, make a lot of money. Whatever it is, and, and because people are always waiting for the destination to, to arrive, they, they sometimes never make their destination because they miss what they do have in front of them. They don't realize you're at a really great destination right now. Don't, don't miss where you're at now for where you wish maybe one day you'll be. And, and the truth is, if you don't enjoy here, when you get there, most likely you're not going to enjoy there either. You know, we, we want things. We want more finances, more money. But if you're not good with what you have now, this is the principle the Bible teaches. If you're not faithful and good with the little you have, when you get more, that's not going to fix everything. Um, it's only going to create more problems and more things. So you have to learn where are you at now. Um, and throughout, throughout Scripture, throughout, I think, just, just our, our life, there's always these two extremes. Uh, we'll find ourselves, when we're faced with, with challenges, with, with different things, there's always these two extremes. Not always, but usually there's this third option that God is always trying to insert and help us to see that there's a better way than those two. Sometimes it's in the middle. Sometimes it's completely different than the two. Um, but, but in this case, when we're talking about finances, and, and the reason we talk about finances is because it's, it's the easiest thing to see where our heart is at. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why the Bible over and over talks about how it's important how we handle our resources, how we handle our time, um, because it shows where our heart is at. And God really wants to know where our heart is. It's about the heart. Um, and there's these two extremes. There's, there's pride, where we compare ourselves with others. And then there's the other extreme, poverty, where we compare ourselves um, with others. We compare others with ourselves. And here's the difference, all right? So, so one, we're looking um, and saying, man, I'm glad I'm better than them. The other one is, wow, I, my life sucks compared to them. Like, we have these two extremes. Uh, you're driving down the road. Here's a great example. You're driving down the road. You pull up to a car, right, that's not as nice as yours, uh, maybe a little beat up, maybe... You know, just it, it, whatever. It's just it's broken up. And you look at that and you think, well, I'm glad I don't have to drive that thing, right? Like, mine's pretty awesome. And the next light, you pull up to this really expensive car that's worth 10 times your car, right? You look over and you're like, man, what a waste. Like somebody spent a lot of money on that thing and I can't believe it. And you have these two extremes where I think God is saying, no, there's, there's a better one. What if you landed in, in the worldview of gratitude? What if you were, were grateful for what God gave you? It's an, it's an, gratitude is an awareness of God's hand on your life. So instead of saying, all right, I'm going to look at myself better than others because they have less, or I'm going to think of myself less because others have more, you just you, you recognize what you do have, and you say, God, thank you for the car you have given me. Thank you for the thing that is in my hand right now. And when we steward those things, the, the Bible uses the word stewardship. Like, it doesn't belong to us. God, God gives it to us. He, he lets us manage it. And when we're faithful and we're good with it and do the things he wants, he actually blesses us with the more. Not so we can have, but so we can be a blessing to others. God blesses Abraham so he can bless others. That's the whole point of the blessing is, is it goes to you so it can go through you to others. Bless you, bless others. And when we're faithful with a little bit, he gives us more. And part of it is recognizing what is in front of me. What do I have? So you wake up tomorrow, and what, do, what are you going to focus on? Um, what are you going to look at? Gratitude is an awareness of, okay, here's where I'm at. We, we can do this with clothes. You can do it with phones, right? One, one you think, man, they spent too much, or, or I w- I'm glad I don't have that. That kind of phone, or man, they spent too much money on this phone, or clothes. Um, spouses, we can do this with spouses. We can do this with, with uh, relationships. Like, man, I'm, I'm really happy. My wife is not like that. And then, man, I really wish my wife was like that. And you, you neglect where you're actually at. Um, 
for me, one of the, one of the ways that I, I've learned to um, be grateful is, is Proverbs says that, um, that, that a, a, an understanding wife is a gift from God. And so I thank God for the wife God's given me. And so what I do is my wife is the standard. Like when, when, if you want to know the kind of um, what, what, what I like, it's my wife. And I don't have the comparisons. I'm saying this is what I have. This is the commitment I've made. So what it does is then it releases me to begin to compare her to others, whether they're, they're worse than her or better than her, whatever. It just I say I'm thankful for what I have. And this is what it means to have a, an attitude, a heart of gratitude, is we, we, we understand what is in our hands, what's in front of us. Because um, here's the truth. When we compare to others, typically we compare to those that are closest to us, like family or friends. Um, but the real comparison is not us with others, it's us with God. Like, so what have you done for God lately compared to what he's done? Really nothing. Like, you cannot do anything compared to what God has done. But what has God done for you? Man, he's done everything. He's given me more than I deserve. And when you live that way, you understand this is a gift. Like, my life is a gift. I woke up this morning and I breathe air into my lungs. And, by the way, one of the cleanest airs you could breathe in our world. Do you know that? Santa Fe has one of the cleanest airs, like, in our world. Pretty awesome. I don't know if you knew that. You, you breathe in the air and you think, man, God, thank you for the clean air that I can breathe. That's pretty awesome. It's a gift. Because when, when you're aware of what God has given you, you can be thankful. You can be grateful for those things. It gives you an awareness of what's happening. Compar- comparison makes us see what we don't have, but gratitude helps to see what we do have. Comparison will always keep you thinking about what you don't have, but gratitude always shows you what you do have. And when we only focus on what we don't have, we always miss what's right in front of us. Comparison is the enemy of contentment, but gratitude is an attitude that leads to contentment. And here's the thing. It's, it's a choice. It's always a choice. What's in front of you? What's in your hands? What's there? Uh, Robert J. Hastings, I read a quote from him, said this, Sooner or later, we must realize there is no ideal destination, no place to arrive at once and for all. The true joy of, our, of, of life outdistances us. So stop Pacing the aisles and counting the miles. Instead, climb the mountains. Eat more ice cream. Come on, anybody? Woo! Go barefoot more often, unless it's winter, and you might want to catch a cold. Okay? Uh, swim more rivers. Watch more sunsets. Laugh more. Cry less. Life must be lived as we go along. Relish the moment is a good motto. I like this guy. I know who he is, but I read this quote, and I thought, man, this is great. He gets it. Life is about what we're doing with the moment. What, 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 are you aware of where you're at? Like You have clothes on. That's a good thing. Um, some of you ate breakfast or you had a Krispy Kreme donut. Like, man, that's a good donut. Like, God gave you taste buds. God gave you the ability to enjoy something. You drink some coffee, which gives you a little pick-me-up, right, and a little bit of excitement there. It's, it's great. What are the things that are in front of you? What do you have in your hand? Matthew six twenty-three twenty-three. Jesus says it like this. Your eyes are the window into your body. And, and this is in the context of how we handle money how we handle our lives right so he's saying your eyes are the windows into your body we talked about this the first week if you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief your body fills up with light but if you live squint-eyed and greed and distrust your body is a dank cellar if you pull the blinds on your windows what a dark life you have what he's saying is just saying be aware open up your life a generous life where you look around and you see what's there not just squint-eyed looking at the little things that you have in front of you like, this is all about me, and I'm not going to look at anything else, and I'm going to focus on, 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 on just these things about, about me. You say, no, look, look up. Let your eye, life be full of light. Uh, even, even the word, our word, think, it, the, root, the root is related to think, which means uh, you have to have an awareness when you're thankful. Like, there's an awareness that happens of, oh, wow, I have this, or somebody did this for me. Like, I'm aware of it. 
when we compare, we're not aware because we're not thinking about the bigger picture. We're thinking about the little picture, just us. So my question, I guess, today is this. What are you focused on in your life when you wake up in the morning, when you go through the day? What are you focused on? What gets your attention? What gets your focus where you just watch? Um, the last few years, there's been a really popular gift that's been given for birthdays and Christmas. Uh, I just recently found out about this. I think it's pretty awesome. And I begin to watch these videos of these people who, um, in some cases, I, I, yesterday I watched a 77-year-old 70 man see color for the first time. Um, I watched a, a father and a daughter see color together for the first time. And they, they created these glasses, and chroma glasses that help colorblind people see colors, right? That's a fabulous thing. And so I was beginning to watch these videos because uh, it fits in what we're talking about. And, and, and over and over and over, I just see, see when somebody sees color for the first time, just what it does to them. Um, one, one guy, he's 30, he says, he tells his wife, our dog is brown? <laughs> like, I don't even know our dog is brown. One guy's like, I love orange. Like, that is so great. They've never seen orange in their life. Uh, any, any colorblind people in the room today? I, I just found out my de- my father's colorblind and my, my father-in-law is colorblind. He raised his hand. Wow. Interesting. Any other? Anybody else? Anybody else? Let me get you guys some glasses. I'm excited for this. Let me go get these. I'm going to show you in a second a couple that I saw. Um, one guy, um, oh, this one lady, there's this little bush kind of shrub. Not very, you know, nice, but I guess the colors are pretty spectacular to her. And out of all the things she sees, she says, that, that bush over there is pretty amazing. And it's the first thing they see. And anyways, let me show you, let me show you a video of what, what some of the things I watched yesterday. Purple. Check, check. Well, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Reason it's so hard to find these clips because obviously a lot of people don't have enough language to express. So there's all these bad language just coming out and a lot of crying, a lot of just. It was pretty cool to watch these people see it. But when's the last time you said magenta? Wow, what a color! Right, that's purple. Um, yellow. One of the one of the ones I guess yellow is a pretty common one that people can't see. And the person's like, "What is that?" And they're like, "That's yellow. That's yellow." Like, yeah, that's yellow. Like, that's amazing. So if you're for the, for the few that are colorblind, um, let me just tell you, there's things that are around us all the time that are pretty amazing, but it's the little things. Sometimes I think we forget there's little things all around us that are happening all the time. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus continues on. He says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'll put you on a light stand. Now that I've kept, put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. One of the things I noticed about was when people are grateful for things, everybody else around them begins to be grateful also. Like, oh, wow, you're right. Magenta's pretty awesome. Wow, you're right. Yellow is pretty cool. When we're grateful for things, it opens up other people to be grateful. You know, when it comes to God... Um, I can't tell you all the, the, his will and all the purposes and plans he has for your life every time, every, every moment of your life. But I do know there is one thing that is a constant that he wills for all of us all the time. Paul says in First Thessalonians like this, Thessalonians, he says, Be thankful in all circumstances, all circumstances, wherever you find yourselves, be thankful in that moment. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God's will for us is that we would be thankful in every situation we find ourselves. You know I'm being God's will? Be thankful. And the more you're thankful, the more he'll open the doors to continue to lead you and move you where you need to be. If you're thankful, if you're, if you're grateful for what you do have, he'll put more in it. 
So here's my challenge for the week, for the day, right? This week, every single day, starting today, would you find 21 things to be thankful for? 21. I pulled that out because 21 sounds like a great number. You can maybe pick 50. I don't know. Pick 100. Uh, whatever it is, pick a number and just begin to, to, to think about that. Maybe write a list. Maybe start a, a, a gratitude list. Um, if, it, if it's people, here's the thing with people. If it's somebody that you're grateful for, make sure you tell them. Um, it needs to be expressed. Uh, that's when things change. And when somebody's done something for you, done something uh, to, to help you, express that. Express that gratitude. But just this week, can you imagine with me, if you went through every day and you were thankful, God, thank you for the car that I'm, I get to drive. And I'm able to drive. I don't have to be on my bicycle. Although if you love bicycles, and get on your bicycle. And you can thank God for your nice bicycle. But whatever it is, as you go through this journey, be, begin to think about those things. Thank, thank you for this job. Like a lot of people are always like, man, I wish I had another job. Well, if you do good at this job, I think God will give you a better job. Or he'll make you better in your job. But because we don't focus on what we do have, we're always wanting the next. We actually miss out on the opportunity that's in front of us. And we don't allow God to bless us in that moment. But this life. If you're thankful for it this week, if you're if you're aware, if your eyes were open looking for those things, God will begin to bless you with more because he sees you're aware of what's in front of you. So this week, 21 things every single day. What are the 21 things you could be thankful for today? Giving you a few. Think about it. What, what else is there? What else is there? You know, I, I made a statement in the middle of the service that said when we compare ourselves to others, and there's always going to be somebody that's worse off. There's always going to be somebody that's better. That's not a good comparison. But when we compare ourselves to God, that's a really good comparison. Because we realize very quickly that we don't measure up. That there's nothing we can do that's going to benefit God as, as far as make, make things better than, than, than what he's done. And give him more than he's given. But when we realize that he's given everything for us, that's when we become proud owners of being of a grateful heart. Proud owners of whatever God's put in our hands because realize this is all a gift. And one of the things that I would love to do for some of you in this room is maybe you've gone through this life for too long and you're not connected to God. The choices you've made have led you away from God. Maybe you're here and you're not grateful. Maybe you're focused on all the negatives and God is saying, would you let me in? Let me open your life. Let me open your eyes to begin to see things differently. There's, there's this idea in the Bible that, that, that God wants us to turn from things that aren't working and turn to him, the things that do work, to his way. The, the word is called repentance, that, that we would stop walking in a direction that's leading us away from God, that's leading us to, to ways that, that don't, don't work. And we pause and we say, God, I'm going to stop at this place. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk to you. Repentance is driving, driving in the wrong direction, direction in your car. And you realize you're in the wrong direction, so you make a U-turn and begin to go in the right direction. God is inviting us to live a life that would say, stop going your way like Eve, like Cain. Those things are not going to lead you to what you think. Trust me to lead you in a better direction. Some of you need to put your trust in God. Some of you today need to give your life to God and say, God, I'm tired. Of, I'm, I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. And I would love to, to help you on this journey to start that. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you close your eyes and bow your head as we end our service? If that's you today, you're here and you acknowledge and you'd say, I'm so focused on what I don't have, I miss out on what God might have for me. I'm so distant from God that I need to turn my life around and walk towards him. I don't want to miss out on the life God has for me. 
The Bible says that sin separates us, but the cross gives us a door back to God. It builds a bridge back to God. Because in his sacrifice, you can receive a new life. You can receive a better way to live. If you're here today and you would say, that's me, I need a better way, I need to follow God, would you let me know just by lifting your hand? Just in your seat, I won't call you forward, I see your hands. Awesome, I see your hands. Anybody else? It's me, God, I need your help. God, forgive me. I see your hands. Awesome, quite a few hands went up. Anybody else? I need you, God. Awesome. Great, for all you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in prayer. God is always looking for, for people who will be willing to humble themselves and say, I can't do it on my own. Part of gratitude is, is, is being humble, of saying, I, I recognize it's not for me. And those are the kind of people God's looking at. So as you raise your hand, just know God is responding and saying, I see, I see what your heart, what you're saying with your life. If you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? And if you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying today for those that raise their hand? They're not praying alone. For you that raise your hand, would you say this? Today, God, I need your help. Forgive me of my ways. I invite you into my life today. Lead me and guide me. I believe your son Jesus died on that cross for me in my place so I can live, so I can have life. I receive that gift today. Be the Lord of my life. Lead me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate those that prayed today? It's so good.